Hi, Steve. Thank you so much for joining me today on the Wave Capital's guest speaker series on relationship building in a team environment. Uh, you are my 13th guest on the podcast, and I'm so happy to have you on. Yes, kudos to uh, Steve here, and I'm so glad for you to be here today. Steve, when you think about relationship uh, building, what does that definition mean to you in your own words in a team environment? Absolutely, Garrett. First of all, I want to thank you for the invitation. Um, we've crossed paths for many, many years, uh, whether it be in person or uh, through many different colleagues. So um, again, thank you. Happy holidays to you and your family. Thank you um, so much. Glad to have you on. Absolutely. And to answer your question, Garrett, um, team building to me, um, especially in the environment that you work in, I work in, honestly, is everything. Um, you know, your connections, the way you connect with people, whether it's in person, um, over the phone, over any type of digital landscape, on a Zoom like we are right now, um, it is so important whether you actually connect with the person or not. Sometimes you can feel that connection uh, organically happen, and sometimes um, it doesn't happen, but it is honestly the core to business, Garrett. Um, the reason why you and I are speaking is because of our past relationship. Um, and that's a singular relationship that was multiplied upon various platforms at ESPN. You know, you have TV, you have highlights, uh, you have ESPN.com, whatever the common goal was to deliver content for, whether we were in different departments or not, you and I were connected in some way, shape or form. And that has all to do with relationship building. So um, again, I will reiterate, I, I am such a firm believer um, in relationships, building professional careers, and the better your relationships, the bigger and better your career can get and, and be built. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, you touch upon our ESPN connections. And when you think about all the people that we've crossed paths with, and how many people have, you know, touched our lives in the process and in broadcast news and production, uh, you know, I'm impressed with your background, you know, having been a producer as well at you know, ESPN, uh, CNBC, Good Morning America. Talk about like your journey and, you know, what relationship building meant, you know, in all those steps along the way and all those career paths. And, you know, some of the people that really, you know, had a strong influence on relationship building, you know, in your, in your life. Absolutely. And, and much like yourself, a lot of the people, whether it be peripherally or on a daily, weekly or yearly basis, the people that I'm going to reference, I am still in touch with going years back. And I, I will start with the antidote. I, I started my career in film, working on rather large feature films. And at some point, I had to make a tradition and uh, a transition, excuse me, into television. And I and the second I made that transition, which was going to work um, at the television show Inside Edition, I said to myself, if I'm going to continue to work in TV, I do want to get to ESPN. I played college hockey. Um, you know, just avid follower of sports, much like yourself my whole life. My dad was a, a um, in the Philadelphia Flyers farm system growing up. I played for the Philadelphia Little Flyers um, as a child, just lived and breathed, not just hockey. I, I played three varsity sports in, in high school. But I said to myself, I, I would like to get to ESPN. So slowly but surely, um, I ended up at Good Morning America, which was a, just a, a dream job in itself, um, writing and producing features for them for the first hour of the show. Um, and uh, lo and behold, um, ESPN was launching the 9 a.m. Sports Center, and I was introduced to a gentleman by the name of um, Craig Bankston, who uh, he was heading up the efforts over at ESPN 
to hire for the 9 a.m. Sports Center. And Craig was a former ABC News um, executive producer. And my name got pulled out of a pile and we connected over ABC News. And he said, Steve, I want you to come to Bristol, take a look. You may not like it. We may not like you. You may not like Bristol, but please just come up and, and take a tour of the place for the day. I'll line up the interviews and you tell me what you think and we'll see if there's a match. I went up, I was still working at Good Morning America. Um, I think I was in the process that the show won an Emmy that year. So I was you know, part of that show process of winning an Emmy for GMA, you know, very happy, but yet still through relationships driving to get my career more forward. Um, lo and behold, I loved Bristol. I loved Craig. Uh, he hired me right there. Um, and we talked, I eventually ended up in Bristol and I helped launch that 9am sports center. Um, so that relationship, which was built over ABC news and good morning America, even though we, you know, Mr. Bankston and I didn't actually work, uh, you know, together, we were under the same moniker and there was, you know, whether it be trust or he liked me or both, but having that natural bond and that natural connection to form a team environment is what he was looking for. Um, and Craig and I are, are still, we still communicate to this day. Um, he's, he's over at CNBC at the moment as one of their core executives. Um, and um, my sports vernacular and, and sort of commanding sports content at ESPN and in the, in the capacity that I did, um, lo and behold, the Weather Channel was looking for a sports producer. I know as strange as that sounds, but when I was getting hired, um, at the Weather Channel, Sam Champion, who is from Good Morning America, uh, was launching a morning show and he needed a sports producer. So I actually got hired in my current position at the Weather Channel because I was a sports producer. How odd of a connection is that? And it goes back to ESPN and then to my former job at Good Morning America, where I worked with Sam Champion. Yeah, that's great. That's great. And the thing is that you are the producer for Jim Cantori, and I know how much he loves sports too. And it's great because I used to work for Scott Van Pelt, you know, my former colleague at ESPN, and he always references Jim Cantori sometimes. And I, I think it's so funny. I don't know if you've ever talked to Scott about that. Um, it's funny you say that, Garrett. Um, Scott, whenever we are in, they're generally um, winter storms or big hurricanes that are pending. Um, Scott will, Scott and Jim. Uh, I think I connected the two or they formed a relationship through Twitter um, because you're absolutely correct. Scott is a huge weather aficionado. I think the safe bet is to say he is a weather nerd. He, he follows the models, he reads the models and those are weather models that I'm referencing. And um, he and Jim forged a relationship, uh, you know, through the love of weather. And when there's big weather pending and impacting sports, um, myself or Jim will get the call and, and we'll go on, you know, SVP at night, Jim, Jim will do a live shot for him, just referencing um, games and events that are impacted. And the interesting thing in that is that obviously, you know, Jim's meteorology is first and foremost, uh, you know, almost next to none. Um, but we have such a close relationship. Steve, you do the sports and I'll handle the weather. So when we're in a sports environment, we've, we've covered Super Bowls, you know, World Series, NHL at Winter Classics, my sports, you know, content and passion gets to help the Weather Channel because I forge, you know, a content relationship with Jim. He handles the meteorology and I'll handle the sports. And to me, it, it, it's one of the best days when I get to combine both of those forms of content, weather with one of the best and sports, which is still a passion. 
Yeah, that's great. That's great. And obviously, you know, working at the Weather Channel and you see the type of relationship building that you've done there or continue to do there. I mean, do you ever think about, you know, certain moments that really change your life there? And, you know, how does it compare to previous experiences at other networks you've you've worked at? Definitely. Um, you know, Garrett, working at the Weather Channel, it it's you, you um, in a lot of ways, the information you're disseminating is life-saving and um, it's of vital importance. And I, I think that core mission that the Weather Channel takes has sort of embedded inside of me that when I see something big happening um, with the weather, you know, I, I've referenced big snowstorms and hurricanes and, and now, um, unfortunately, this big, you know, tornado outbreak that um, I was on site for along with, um, with our team, you know, th these are moments where when you are forecasting, and I'm not speaking specifically of myself, but whatever I can do to get that messaging out from a producer standpoint, whether it's, you know, in a studio a few days before the big event, and then going on site a day or two um, before the big weather event, where, wherever it may be, I take such pride, Garrett, in being a part of that process. And if one person listens to a broadcast that I'm attached to in whatever form and says, you know, I, I based my decision on what myself and my family are going to do during this storm on some of the information I've listened to at the Weather Channel, then my job is done. If I could impact one person, I will say it today. I will say it um, forever moving forward. Um, that makes me a, a very happy person to be able to change a life. Of course, and you're seeing so many like weather systems and patterns of, you know, irregular, I think, you know, weather happening all around us. And, you know, we talk about, you know, climate change and the things that we're seeing there. I mean, just, you know, boots on the ground, what might you be seeing, you know, in your day-to-day -day job that maybe the, you know, American, average American at home is not, is not seeing. Yeah. I mean, we, you know, we are on the, I'll specifically reference you and I were talking offline, just how bad, you know, the Kentucky um, tornadoes were. My team um, with Jim Cantori, we were based out of um, Mayfield, Kentucky. We did live broadcast there as well as Dawson Springs, Kentucky. And, you know, you as a viewer, um, you know, you can see what it looks like from a video standpoint, whether it be a, you know, a live shot or a social media post. Um, but just, you know, the magnitude of being there in person, Garrett, it, I said to you off camera, and I will say it to you on camera, it was life changing, seeing what type of damage can be caused, you know, and, and that storm was on the ground at times for only a minute. And you think about that devastating damage, lives forever changed, homes wiped off their foundations, people, you know, losing their lives for, you know, a storm that's moving 50 or 60 miles an hour that touches down, uh, you know, in your specific town for a minute and moves on and causes that type of damage. The word I've used in social media posts, as well as talking to colleagues, and I will use it with you, it's just indescribable. Yeah, and you think about, you know, all those Hollywood movies, you know, you think of like that movie Twister with Helen Hunt and, you know, Bill Paxton back in the 90s. And you know, my wife and I were talking about that movie, I think the other week, because I think when we were on our uh, recent trip, we were traveling for our, our one year wedding anniversary, we, I think Twister came on, 
came on the television and we were thinking, you know, do you remember this movie and how, you know, impactful it was? Because even though it was a Hollywood movie, it seemed so real. I mean, did it feel like the movie Twister or even worse, if you could put it into words? The latter, Garrett. It And we talked about this off camera. I equate it, um, my, uh, one of my stepbrothers works as a producer um, for Marvel Studios and, and on their big feature films. Um, I felt that it looked like a movie set, a very expensive movie set that depicted mass destruction um, as far as the eye can see. And it, it just, it felt completely surreal. We, we showed up in, in this little town of Dawson Springs, Kentucky, um, that is about 2,500 people. And we were there before sunrise. So the only lights in the, you know, in the area, all the power's out, obviously, are the lights from our, our trucks and our cameras. And when that sun came up, Garrett, I could finally see over the vista and the horizon of what I was looking at. I think indescribable doesn't begin to describe what I saw when the sun came up. And the only thing I thought of, you know, the, the destruction has impacted me because I'm looking at it. The only thing that was on my mind and my job always comes first, but when my job can blend helping people in this time of need, as well as getting the message out that a little town like that needs help from a first responder standpoint um, and any type of rescue mission, I'm gonna get that word out. And all I could think of the entire time was how can I help these people? We gave them the water that we had from the back of our truck. Uh, we gave them the granola bars we had in our truck. Um, anything to help them, you know, and, and, you know, as I told you off camera, I am forever changed, um, by what I saw there. And I was just happy to be happy is not a good word. I, I was, um, thrilled in my, in the most positive way to try and get that word out. Because as I keep saying, if one person hears from our broadcast that Dawson Springs, Kentucky or Mayfield, Kentucky needs help and someone goes out there to help them, our job is done. Well, that's relationship building at its finest. And you know, you see the depths of despair that people go through when they lose everything. And it's so tragic and my hearts go out to them. I pray for them you know, every day uh, since that news broke and since that disaster happened. You know, and you know, I don't know how much you, you know, watched, you know, Mr. Rogers, you know, growing up. Uh, I sure did. And I think, and I'm paraphrasing, you know, if there's something tragic, you know, his mother told him, you know, look for, look for the people who are helping, you know, look for the helpers, you know, in times of, in times of need. And I think that that's what you were doing. You were, you took a tragedy, but you tried to turn into a positive from the standpoint of helping people with your team at the Weather Channel, you talk about water, you talk about any food that you had on you, like granola bars, just whatever little that you can do, it definitely goes a long way because people don't forget those moments of who helped them in, in times of tragedy. And I think that, you know, again, dealing with pressure builds characters, as I have always said. So you were feeling that, you know, in times of like great need and, you know, your, your character was tested and you, and you rose to the challenge and it made you a better person, even though you're a good person already, but it made you a better person and changed your life. Yeah, there, there's no question about that. There, there was um, Hurricane Laura, um, not last summer, but the summer before, and we were in a in a similar situation. Um, you know, broadcasting the day after 
of, of just undescribable hurricane damage in the city of Lake Charles. And we were standing at our live location and, um, you know, there were some people kind of milling about and there was a police officer who sort of just came up to check on the general welfare of the people around us. You know, did they need a shelter? Um, are we okay? You know, you know, being out there where we were standing, uh, fortunately, you know, everyone was okay. There was a, an old, an elderly lady who needed a shelter. He directed her to a shelter, but I actually took the time, you know, once everyone around me, I knew was in a safe place and, you know, we could really not help them anymore by simply just by being their friends at the time. That's, that's what we were able to provide. I actually asked the police officer who was a, I believe a Lake Charles police officer. I said, sir, how are you doing? And he said, that's interesting that you say that because you're probably the first person to ask me that. And I said, well, you know, how have you been? He said, to be honest with you, he said, um, you know, my family is, re is repositioned in Houston. My, my home is, is almost in, unlivable. It, you know, it's obviously not livable right now. And my young daughter and my fiance are in Houston. And he said, I've been sleeping in my car, Steve. And I said, uh, I said, um, you know, we're about to leave, you know, um, and we have a bunch of supplies, you know, can I, he's like, anything you have, I, I'm not asking. And I said, no, here, I gave him Gatorade. I gave him water, um, tuna helper, whatever we had. And he had a pillow and a blanket in the back of his cruiser. And that's what he was using to get through that storm. Um, to this, to this day, he and I are still in touch. That's um, wonderful. There was a, a hotel. We've in touch with him. It's wonderful that you've become friends with him. Yep, we we've we've we bat around emails every now and then. Um, if I were to you know shoot him a note now, we you know, hey Steve, how are you? Um, he was trying to get his family back into Lake Charles um, as the storm started to subside and the damage was cleared. He needed a hotel room. Um, we vacated our hotel room at a hotel, um, and I contacted the general manager. I said, sir, if um, if you have an extra room at your hotel for this police officer and his family, um, you know, I would like to make that introduction. He said, Steve, please introduce him to me. Um, I, I think he was able to help that officer get a hotel room. Um, but th this is not about me. I'm just telling you about the connections and the building that we do organically in the field. Um, and, and these are, these again are things that will stay with me the rest of my life. And it definitely made, a strong impact on you and you know when you have to deal with storms in the future I think that you'll look at them you know a totally different way not to say that you have not been prepared for each storm you have you've been prepared for each storm as best you can be and you take each storm as it comes because every storm is different even though there are some elements that are similar but something as catastrophic as this one probably puts it and even more perspective as you prepare for other future storms that you have to, to, to cover. Uh, some will be worse, some will be not as bad, but I think that it seems to me just talking to you that it really impacted your life, this one, in, in, a, in a way that probably others hadn't. Yeah, and, and as I said, Garrett, this, this is not about me in any way, shape, or form. I, and, and it's going back to the theme that, the overriding theme of why you and I are talking Exactly. The bond that I have formed with my team, which generally is the same um, camera person that we use in big storms, as well as Jim, there's just three of us out there. Right. Um, the fact that we're so close um, over the years, but also as men, 
um, you know, bonding over, you know, work over personal time, our, you know, communication factor is almost instinctual. So as I keep saying, my job is first, you know, getting the word out and being live on television is the first job. But when I have a commercial break and I can help a police officer, I don't have to worry about things in commercial break that more of a raw non-built team has to worry about audio, you know, um, explaining more of what people need. Jim knows what to do on the air so well. He's one of the best. My camera person is just one of the best in the business. I cannot say enough about them, which can give me five minutes to connect with a survivor, have him or her, his family, tell me his story in commercial break. And then the three of us make the decision. Do we want to put this on air or is this just better left off air in a humanitarian effort, you know, and those quick decisions need to be made in a commercial break or in a little bit of downtime. And my close knit relationship with my team allows me to do that. I love the fact that you talk about, you know, your relationship with, you know, Jim, and then you mentioned your cameraman and, or camera woman, uh, you know, feel free to name the people that you work with in just, it seems like, you know, each person impacts one another in positive ways, especially, you know, in times of, you know, despair of what you experienced in uh, Kentucky, because just like the sounding boards that you all are to each other, you just referenced it, you know, do we air this? Is it more just for personal discussion? Because, you know, you're talking to the police officer, or you're trying to help locals who had you know, just lost a lot during the storm. But talk to me a little bit further about, and you talk, you just mentioned it, you know, talk to me further about those type of conversations and how in real time, it's, it's pretty organic. And I think because you guys have just been working with each other so much and for, you know, for so long and, and you work well together, I think it just, you probably learn new things about each other every day as well in times like this. Yeah, I'll, I'll give you a, um, a little bit lighter of a note, um, and then I will give you another antidote. I, I'm, as I keep saying, I don't want to eat up your time talking about me the whole time. Just recently in Kentucky, um, while we were standing at our live chat, we had just rolled into Mayfield, and a gentleman uh, with a World Central Kitchen um, placard on the side of his SUV came up, and he, he waved to us. He was a big fan of the Weather Channel, and he had some extra food, and, and so he came out and and saw our crew and said, hey, I've got some extra food, you know, if I can feed the crew. And I said, you know, we only want, you know, if if we're taking away from the people of Mayfield, we don't want it. And he said, no, no, I have a couple extra soups, please take it. So the gentleman dropped off the soup, um, said, keep up the great work, Weather Channel, and, and he sort of drove away. I forged a relationship with the person who was driving him. My cameraman, Brad Reynolds, one of the, you know, best in the business turned to me, he said, Steve, do you know who that was that gave us the food? And I said, I said, no, he goes, do you watch the Food Network? I said, a little bit, but not a lot. He goes, Steve, that was Chef Jose Andres. And I, I said, really, Brad? And Mr. Cantori turns to me and he said, yeah, maybe we can, we can talk to him, Steve. And in that four minute exchange of food, I had built a, a little bit of a bond with whoever his assistant or the person who was driving him. So as Chef Jose Andres is driving down the road, I am yelling to the vehicle, Mr. Andres, Mr. Andres. I think his the person he was with was Natasha. Natasha, can you would you mind pulling over for a moment? He saw me waving, knew that I was a trusted source, 
And I said, I'm so sorry to bother you, Mr. Andres. Would you mind, you know, giving us a couple minutes of your time? He said, Steve, I was just waiting for you to ask me. Why didn't you ask me before? <laughs> I just, because my team, you know, we have each other's back. My camera person, uh, Brad Reynolds, was the one who essentially landed that interview because he told me who this gentleman was, you know, the renowned saint of the world, Jose Andres, who feeds people, you know, during disasters all over the planet, is now standing in front of us doing an interview live on the Weather Channel. Uh, to me, that put a big smile, but obviously the tone of the conversation got more serious. Um, the second element to this, as you said, um, I'm I'm going to go back to Hurricane Ida and my my team. Um, Mr. Cantori was uh, Jim was fortunate enough to forge a really great relationship. Again, this is about team bonding without that relationship in the field and trust. Right. Um, Jim befriended the councilman at large for Jefferson Paris. His name is um, Ricky Template. And we we did some ride alongs with Ricky in some flooded areas in a boat and in an airboat. And Ricky said, uh, Jim, you know that nobody has stepped foot on Grand Isle. Um, maybe there's a chance we can get you and your team down there. We really need some publicity about, um, you know, some positive exposure of how bad it is so we can get some response to Grand Isle. As you know, Grand Isle was wiped out um, yeah. by, you know, high-end Cat 4 winds. So uh, we were, um, you know, one of the first media uh, boots on the ground with our cameras on Grand Isle. Thank you to Mr. Template. Um, what was normally a one to two hour drive from New Orleans took four to five hours weaving in and out of damaged roads, debris roads, and, and Ricky Template was able to navigate a safe ride for us. But there was a councilwoman who was in the, our, you know, we could only get in there with first responder vehicles, sirens. So we sat in a big SUV that was a first responder vehicle. And as we drove on to Grand Isle, there was a councilwoman who did not know the status of her home. This was the first time she was going to see what her home looked like. And as we pulled up, um, she said, that's my home on the left right there. Garrett, there was not only a foundation, the home ripped off the foundation. There was no resemblance of a home even being there. The only thing that remained standing, and I do not know why, was her front steps. Wow. So when we drove there, she trusted us enough to share that moment and not make it, you know, isolated. If she had emotions, she was willing to share it with our team um, and with Mr. Template and with Jim Cantori and, and Brad and myself. She quickly processed it. And I knew right then and there, you know, in the, in the four or five hour ride that as much as I would want to want to have seen that moment on TV, I knew that by asking her and communicating with her tactfully, this is not a moment that she wants to share on TV. This was too personal. This was too private. As good of you know a moment as it would be, she just wasn't willing to share that. And that's just something you have to accept in these team building environments. There's going to be tough moments that some of them you get and others you don't. And to this day, I still communicate with that council person and she does give me updates on Grand Isle. Um, of which we can use that in our reporting when necessary. So again, out of this difficult tragedy, my team not pushing her to the point where she no longer wanted to deal with us just because we wanted that interview, um, we now still have a very trusted source in Grand Isle for as long as we want it. And that's all through relationship and team building and trust. Right, and you, right, and you guys were disciplined to 
you know, recognize, you know, the time and place to, you know, see how or what her comfort level would be, although she went through such a tragedy and she is trying to process everything that's happening around her and you gained a lifelong friend and she respects you and your team more knowing that you weren't just trying to project her situation on TV, knowing that the viewership would be tuning in to something as you know catastrophic and with great magnitude, but the fact that she respected you and your team for it, for being professional and, you know, really taking more of a, um, a personal interest in what she was going through. And she saw that, wow, I can really talk to these, you know, gentlemen and, and I can really talk to their team and not feel that it's just for a story. And I think that you realize in the long run, you and Jim and, and team realize in the long run that it was best served that way. And you guys handled it very well. Yeah, well, well said, Garrett. Best served is the perfect, um, you know, noun and adjective to describe that situation. Absolutely. Yes, yes, absolutely. And when you think about the Weather Channel, you know, its place in society, you know, and how, you know, whether it's the federal government or whether it's major sports teams and organizations and you know, you talk about the relationships you have with whether it's ESPN or I'm sure again, you know, politicians or, you know, lobbying groups and or lobbyists. I mean, they probably tune in a lot to the Weather Channel for, for news and maybe talk about some of the relationships again, you know, outside of weather who look to the Weather Channel for advice or guidance or uh, do you ever keep close tabs with, you know, people in Washington or just, you know, people at the state capitals around the country and you know talk about just some of your relationships outside of the newsroom at the weather channel yeah that that's a that's that's excellent and i'm actually going to bring it full circle back to sports since that's you and, and our connection sure um my very first assignment uh unbeknownst to me before um i ended up working with jim full-time in the field was my background which is hockey um i think it was 2000 it was new year's day of 2015 I got to cover the NHL Winter Classic, which I sort of pushed for. Um, I had arrived to the Weather Channel at, in 2014. I, I really pushed for that field assignment. I wanted it, it's hockey, it's passionate. And when I got the assignment as, as the, the field producer, the lead producer on the project, right before things were sort of getting settled at the Weather Channel, they assigned talent. And um, the gentleman who assigned me um, my assignment, of what I need to do and, and deliver and execute said, oh, by the way, um, your first day is going to be with Jim Cantori. And that was the first day Jim and I ever met each other. We ever were, we didn't know we existed. So I told him, I, you know, Jim, I played college hockey. I played a little bit after um, college. Um, and, uh, you know, just a lot of my whole life. Has, so if you trust me on the hockey, um, I'll get you through it. Whether And fortunately, he did know a little bit about hockey, but, uh, and he got through, you know, as I said, the nice blend of meteorology and and outdoor hockey. So we ended up getting to do the NHL Winter Classic for, um, I don't know, maybe three or four other times. And there was one year when, uh, I can't remember where we were, I think we were in St. Louis, um, and there was impending rain in the forecast. And it was sort of one of these hit or miss type scenarios. Could it happen? Could it not? If it rains on an ice rink, Garrett, you know what's going to happen. The ice is going to melt. It is not good. Right. It gets slushy. And ultimately, it's not safe for the players and you want to, you, you know, the guys moving that quick and that fast and that hard, 
you want to keep them safe at all times. So when weather like that is is impending, you want to know from an NHL standpoint and a player standpoint where it's at, when it's at, and when it's safe for these guys to go on the ice. So there was, do we delay it? Do we cancel it? And so, you know, the NHL, the, 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 the people in the PR department and higher up really started to look at us even more and more. And I was in a commercial break and my phone rang from a number I did not recognize. And I picked it up and um, the gentleman on the other line said, Steve, do you have a moment for Commissioner Bettman? And I said, Gary Bettman, the commissioner of the NHL? Yeah, of course. He said he would like to talk to Jim about his opinion on the game. And so, you know, the connection came through my phone. We turned it over. Jim gave his expert opinion. Gary Bettman weighed the, you know, weighed that and made his decision. But Jim and I to this day still say that had we not been there, and I know it's not a life-saving moment, but I stored Commissioner Bettman's number on my phone <laughs> just in case if, you know, not for a personal standpoint, but for any type of emergency situation that Jim may need in, NA, in the NHL. That's a pretty cool connection to, and then, you know, Mr. Bettman came out. Thank you, Jim and your team for helping us out in this situation. I am without the weather, that connection would never have been made in my life. And I'm very, very proud of that yeah. from a sports standpoint. You know, it's, you're in a position where you're making all of these interesting connections and all these people gravitate toward you because in the moment you're able to take what's given to you in the moment that you necessarily didn't know was going to happen that day. And then all of a sudden you get this phone call and you're able to make a connection like that. And I think it's really cool that you have those type of moments in your profession where, you know, you never think that, Hey, commissioner of the NHL or a world renowned chef, or, you know, the woman who tragically, you know, just lost everything in, you know, Hurricane Ida. I mean, you're touching upon a lot of people from all walks of life and it doesn't matter whether they have, you know, a status at, at a corporate level or they're just, you know, a next door neighbor, you know, or anybody, you know, I think it's really interesting how you can make those connections. It, it's, it's really fun, Garrett. I mean, it, and it also gets back to, you know, the reason why we are talking is we have a common bond that we've held over X amount of years in order to trust each other, enjoy each other. Um, you know, setting this up, as you know, is, is Herculean on your end. You've got to reach out. You've got to get availability, everything. And um, that to me, uh, you know, without the relationships, whether they're personal or from lives past uh, jobs to current jobs, without those relationships, um, my professional world and my personal world become a much bigger struggle um, and a more difficult place. So I am proud to say that I am a people person. I enjoy on whatever level it is, whether it's a really sad time in some of these tragedies, or as in last year, I got to cover a winter storm in my hometown that I grew up in, which is Allentown, Pennsylvania. And to have my dad and my stepmom uh, and the friends I grew up with as a, as, a, as a young boy, you know, to a teenager till I, I went away to um, boarding school for high school, those men and women with their families came out and watched. And first of all, 
to be selected to go on a winter storm. To me, I love snow. I, I love going out in snowstorms. But for that storm, I wasn't happy for my hometown. It it wasn't a major impacting storm. Power, you know, power is never lost. But because of that, I got to see my family over the holidays last year during a pandemic. Right. Do you know how special that is? I mean, it was difficult enough to travel, as you know, to see family and friends in a pandemic. My assignment took me to my hometown. And because I keep in touch with my friends from childhood, and because I'm close with my dad and my stepmom, it was a, a trip I would have paid for out of my pocket, even though it was a work trip. Right. You were able to see that a once in a hundred year pandemic and so many things went wrong and so many things were uh, taxing on everybody uh, from, you know, people trying to get stimulus checks because they lost their jobs or, you know, people having to quarantine and, you know, then mental health is a factor, financial stress is a factor, you know, losing family members, night and day impacts on families who, you know, with a family member today and then next week or next month, they're no longer here. Very scary, very, very scary what our country went through. And I think that you know, for you and others to just look at some of the bright spots and say, at least I was able to spend time with my family in the holidays when everybody was just able to like, you know, be together because not so much was going on. And, you know, yes, you were doing your job covering weather or covering, you know, other life-changing events, but at least you got to spend time and be with your family. Yeah. And, and, you know, you understand the behind the scenes, um, you know, of what goes on with a crew and a, and a field crew you know, it, there were, you know, restaurants were closed in Pennsylvania. There, there weren't any restaurants open. Um, you know, hotels were at a minimum capacity. Um, I think we were one of, you know, three of 15 people in the, in this entire hotel, beautiful hotel. Um, one that I would go to as a kid, you know, for brunch and, and just the unusual hurdles of just, you know, finding a meal, um, when you're, you know, you don't live in the area, you don't, you know, you don't have stoves and ovens, you know, you have to go to a restaurant or someplace that's providing food and to get a hot meal on the road during a pandemic, Pennsylvania was where very locked down. And part of my preparation for that field assignment was to find a hotel that was serving dinner, lunch or breakfast for my crew. Um, and fortunately, we did find it. But those are things you just don't think about. And those are things that, you know, Jim has to worry about the on air stuff. My cameraman has you know, a million batteries and a million lights, you know, for them to sit down to dinner, that's just automatic. But Garrett, it was not easy to try and find a place that was a hotel with a restaurant that was right. fully operational in Pennsylvania at the time during a pandemic. Um, and that just goes to show that, you know, we just wanted to get the job done for you. We wanted to forecast that winter storm. Um, and to get to see my family, it's just, it's just bonus. So well, that's, that's wonderful that, again, covering that storm, and as crazy as it was, you were able to spend time with your family, which was the most important thing and memories that you'll cherish forever. When you think about, and we'll switch gears, when you think about all the people, you know, that you worked with at ESPN and the people that I worked at ESPN, I'm sure there's some commonalities. You know, although I didn't get to work with him, I interviewed Tim Brando as, you know, one of my guests, you know, early on in this podcast series. And, you know, he got to know or work with 
over the years, Lou Holtz and Howie Schwab, people who I worked with or got to know during my time in ESPN. So I love how you can draw, you know, relationships or in a podcast or reference them and talk about like the connections and talk about certain anecdotes. Uh, talk to me about, you know, because you were mentioning about Tim Brando and how much you enjoy watching his uh, work every week or just some of the people that you work with at ESPN. And if you mention a name, I'll let you know if I actually got to know them uh, directly or work with them directly, because that obviously makes for even more content, you know, in the future that we could talk about. Oh, absolutely. Um, I mean, you referenced um, Scott Van Pelt. I think it's just so fun and interesting. The relationship has obviously gotten more kicked over to Jim and Scott, you know, the, the two aficionados in, in, you know, in, in their world, two giants, you know, talking about sports and weather. I, you know, and Stanford Steve will reach out to me, you know, hey, um, you know, or the booking department, hey, Steve, do you and Jim have time for a live shot? Sure, let me ask the weather, you know, we go through the process. But I just love, you know, I, I got a, a text or a note from you. Hey, Steve, it's Garrett, you know, nice to be reconnected, you know, to see, you know, that organic email or text come in from a colleague of mine at ESPN that we, you know, over the years, that connection stays tight, right? So it's, it's, you know, it's now, you know, through me working at ESPN, it's now Jim and Scott. And I, I love that they're able to forge that relationship through my, you know, connections and time at ESPN. But some of the guys I still keep in touch with very peripherally, you know, I'm a big hockey guy, Steve Levy and I'll text, you know, exchange text messages every now and then, um, you know, getting to do sports center with him, you know, over the years, you know, voice that I've listened to for years growing up, John Butchergrass. I mean, just in my mind, so funny, so legendary, just an honor to have done so many sports centers with him. I got to work with the great iconic Stuart Scott, um, who I forged a, a personal relationship with right as, you know, everything started, um, uh, with, with what happened to him. And, um, I absolutely adore uh, Barry Melrose. I'm a hockey guy. I just, I just love, you know, being able to watch him over the years and, you know, walk into the, um, to the little coffee break room and, and looking into the room that had tables where we'd have our, 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 uh, our sports center meetings and all the monitors in the room, there was 10 of them or however we're going and Barry's the only guy in the room. And I'd always walk by, Hey coach, how's the hockey department? He was the only guy that was doing hockey at the time. He's watching all the games. But I'd sit down with him. Who do you like? What do you, you know, we're sharing a cup of coffee. Um, I got to do an opening day um, with Jim Cantori at uh, at um, the Indian Stadium. And some of the guys I worked with at ESPN were, they were on the Cleveland Indian staff. They remembered me. Oh, yeah, absolutely. You're on the field. You're behind home plate. That's your, you know, just carte blanche access to the Indians on opening day that people may or may not have had access to. Um, th these types of relationships are just cultivated over the years. I did a World Series with Cantori. Sports on the Road was in the live shot next to me. Tim McHugh was leading up the charge, um, senior coordinating producer who he and I lived in the same town in Brantford, Connecticut. Hey, Steve, you know, we're standing next to each other after, you know, 10 years of being apart, you know, picking up conversations that were held 12 years ago, eight, you know, um, and and just, just re reigniting those conversations. Brian Kenny who works for MLB Network now, I saw him at the, um, at the uh, Field of Dreams game in Iowa, um, you know, just picked up conversations with him. Adnan Verk, who was working for MLB Network, we sat in the press box together at the Field of Dreams game, hadn't seen each other for eight years, just reignited conversations. 
um, you know, right from the get-go. And so I could go on and on, Garrett, and I know your list is long too, but as you could hear it in my voice too, these aren't dormant relationships. These are relationships that not only live on, but will be a part of my family and my future for as long as we want them to be. And to me, that is everything. I, I love your list. And I think that it's wonderful that, you know, as we come to the conclusion of our uh, podcast episode and the time that we spent together, y'all you know, just name some people that I, you know, worked with. I mean, you mentioned, you know, Scott Van Pelt. I worked with John Anderson, Jesse Palmer, the late John Saunders, Wendy Nix, Todd McShay, um, Robert Smith, Robert Flores, uh, became good friends with Tim Kirkchen, Howie Schwab. Um, you know, it's great that I got to interview Tim Brando, um, you know, early on this series. I don't want to, you know, forget anything. Rob Lemley, Greg Pike, producers. Piker. Yeah. He and I ran into each other in Hilton Head randomly one summer, both on personal vacations. We ended up having lunch together at the Salty Dog after not seeing each other for 10 years. Just picked up where we left off. That, just, that's awesome. And he yeah. just, he, he actually, you know, grew up in the St. Petersburg area. I, I think he went to Eckerd College, if I'm not mistaken. And, you know, now he's, you know, still with ESPN, but he moved actually to Winter Garden, Florida. And that's where I live. And we Correct. actually uh, had lunch maybe a few years ago in downtown Winter Garden, Florida. And I'm thinking you're my, pro you know, producer who I, I worked with, you know, you know, several or more years you know, prior. So it's just amazing how you can make those, you know, uh, connections and, and reconnect with people, which was, which was great. And, you know, I'm thinking about all the other people I, I've met up, uh, you know, I'm going to be interviewing, you know, Seth Greenberg, uh, who is going to be uh, my next guest, obviously Steve Bunin is going to be another guest of mine as well, but who would have thought that Seth Greenberg's daughter and I would have went to high school together when he was a coach at the University of South Florida before he took his job at Virginia Tech. And prior to him taking his job at Virginia Tech, I was his uh, one of the camp one of the campers at his University of South Florida basketball camp for uh, two two summers. I, I enrolled there for two summers. You know, when I was in you know uh, middle school, going into high school, it was even before I had you know you know classes with his daughter in high school, and then to you know, send him, I sent him via Twitter, um, or it was, I think it was Facebook Messenger. I, I sent him the, the picture that he signed of like all the campers. I'm in there. He's in there with his brother too. And then, you know, the, the, the certificates I got from being enrolled in the camp and, you know, saying that, you know, I worked at ESPN because I think I worked at ESPN before he, he officially joined um, after his time with Virginia Tech. Um, but it was just nice to make those connections. He actually... Yeah went to the same alma mater as my parents, Fairleigh Dickinson University. My parents graduated respectively in 74, 75. Uh, he graduated in 78. So it's just interesting how you can have those conversations and, and, and bring it back and find those, those synergies and that it really yep. even bolsters um, uh, an episode. Yeah, com completely. Um, and and I, I will conclude. So I, my, my mother lives in Los Angeles, grew up, Pretty big Lakers fan, very quiet about it. But I got to do a few sports centers with Kurt Rambis, who, you know, I mean, he's Kurt Rambis. He, you know, he, the glasses, you know, sitting next to Kurt Rambis. And he, we just started talking. And I said, Kurt, if you ever get a chance, I know, you, you know, you, you still get back to the West Coast or your West Coast base, go to an LA Kings game. And he was just telling me how hockey, you know, watching on TV, he, it just didn't ignite him. 
So lo and behold, Kurt Rambis does his homework, Garrett. You know, we, we missed two weeks of not working together or whatever. And he, he sees me again the next time we work. He goes, Steve, I actually went to an LA Kings hockey game. He goes, thank you for suggesting that. I'm hooked. I, <laughs> I, I, I love it. You know, and it's because of the relationship in that little sports center pod, you know, that, you know, I got paired up with him randomly and we just ended up seeing each other as friendly faces talking. I'll never forget that moment that Kurt Rambis went to a hockey game because I suggested it. And, you know, these are, Garrett, we could fill the airwaves for another three hours with these stories, but I know you love those ESPN anecdotes and it, it goes to waste on some people, but I can see you smiling just listening to that. Yeah. So No, I can listen for forever. And, you know, I wish we can spend another hour, but definitely like offline, let's definitely talk about more of those stories and love to have you back on the podcast in the future. And I really appreciate, you know, our, our friendship and, you know, although getting to know each other through social media and, you know, through our connections with ESPN, but finally, you know, having the opportunity to speak with you, you know, live on this podcast and to be able to cover so many different relationships, you know, in your life and my life and how, you know, somewhere in between all, uh, you, you can make the connection. So yep. I really appreciate your time, Steve. And thanks so much for being on the Wave Capitals guest speaker series on relationship building and team environment. You're definitely the epitome of relationship building and all the people you've touched and all the people you've worked with. And I really appreciate all of your time today. Garrett, thank you for having me. It's, it's an honor and a pleasure. And as I said before, happy holidays to you and your family. We will talk very soon. Yes, yes. Look forward to speaking with you soon. Happy holidays and happy new year to you and your family and take care. And yeah, let's talk about how uh, we can collaborate on other projects in the future. Sounds great to me. Take care. Thank you, Steve. You too. Thank you, Garrett. All right. Have a good one. You too. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.